Rose and all listeners of Bianpod. They might not be listening in the morning. Oh, I this is what that. happens when you uh, always when do you that. you jumped in before I had a chance to say hello and welcome to Bianpod. You jumped in with good morning, which could be factually inaccurate. It's morning somewhere in the world, Paul. You can say good morning, and it's always accurate. It's not though, is it? It's it's not accurate. That's rubbish. That's rubbish. That's that one when alcoholics, you know, will start drinking at nine AM and go, mm, it's cocktail hour somewhere in the world. <laughs> it's like it's an excuse, isn't it? Just to have to have a drink. Oh. Speaking of drinking, uh, I hope you've all been playing the Beampod drinking game where you take a shot every time we delay our marbles coverage by, <laughs> by a week. You're probably all plastered. So they'd be having like one shot a week. Okay, don't overthink <laughs> well, it. What a drinking game. Don't overthink it, Sanya. It was just a funny <laughs> comment. And now you've just like... You've had to drag reality into the comedy, haven't you? That's what I do. Oh, dear. The so, voice yeah. Of reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? Rationality. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Marbles, then. We're finally doing it. We're finally cracking Who on. Who would believe that we finally got here? Well, in our defense. I mean, we have done a Marbles episode already. We've done two. We've done fact. two. Yeah. And in our defense. Meridian did decide to release a new album, slap bang, in the middle of when we were going to be covering Marbles. So we kind of had to capitalise on that. Yes. You can't blame us, can you, everyone? No. We blame you. We blame you. We don't. That's, we blame you. It's totally understandable. Well done, guys. We know you're doing your best. Oh, Pete Ravis is here. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... It, look, I've got I'm, uh, cards on the table time. I can't remember how much I said in the previous episodes. I should have gone back and listened to them. I can't remember how much I covered about the making of it uh, and how much I said about, you know, I know I mentioned that Rothers was uncomfortable with some of the process, that this was very much H's album, that Dave Megan encouraged H to really claim ownership of the band by putting his words front and centre. Mm -hmm. No John Helmer on this album. Uh, and uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Dave Megan describes it as a very male album. Male? Yeah. Does he? Oh, you did not mention okay, that. Yeah. Wow. He what does he mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's in... Full of uh, testosterone. Uh, yes, basically. A really? Male issues, a male... Oh, okay. Wow. I never saw it as that oh, at all. No. Oh, that's fascinating. I need a sip of water after you telling me that. The shock has made my mouth parched. You're in a weird mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he because they would sit and talk, H and Megan, during the making of the album, and H would just talk about his life and what the words on the album meant. Mm. So, as I say, I've never seen it as a particularly male album, just a very H-centric yes. album. Yeah. That's the sense I get. But what is really interesting, though, though bearing that in mind, Marbles. Ow. My God. Sorry, I can't help it. I just scratched my spider bite. She's been bitten by hurt. spiders, everyone. <laughs> no, just one Sanya, spider. No, one spider. She, well, we don't know. It might be multiple spiders. She's covered with bites, spider bites. So we haven't got fleas because if there are fleas around, I always get bitten. So we know it isn't. No, that. and they're like. They look like mosquito bites. Yeah, but up your jumper. Yeah. Yeah. A bit weird. Huh? So, all right, you, have you settled? Yeah, that was for an the accident. Recording it, session. It hurt. Um, so, what, uh, what I do find interesting, though, with Dave Megan saying that is <sighs> Marbles was the Marillion album where I felt my life intersected with H's. That oh. I related to a lot of what was going on on the album whether rightly or wrongly my interpretation mm. of, of his words on this album you know really kind of felt like they were in sync with how I was feeling mm. uh, and I know there have certainly been times yeah oh my god when I first got into Meridian and I was a 14 year old you know it was you know Fish's words which I now look back on and go what you were losing uh, on the swings and the yeah you know at that, you at could that relate like, to yeah that. you're so deep man <laughs> Um, but there is a an amazing directness with the lyrics on this album, while also sort of wrapped up in some beautiful imagery. 
uh, and then for me, I mean, I was at, um, I'll go into it a bit more as we, as, as we get into the album, but 2004, when this came out, I was in not the darkest place of my life, but certainly getting there. Uh, it took four years for me to hit what I would class as kind of a rock bomb, uh, for my life. But I, I, um, it felt, I was very angry in 2004, really angry and bitter. And I was in a relationship that um, I felt I'd been manipulated into staying in and consequently, you know, manipulated into staying in despite having very good grounds not to be in that relationship. You know, we were in this sort of decaying orbit where we'd get together and I'll split up and, you know, uh, it, it, yeah, you know, it didn't happen finally for quite a while after uh, afterwards. But um, what it was turning me into was someone who was very angry, very sort of self-destructive in, in a certain way. Um, not like I kind of ever got into drugs or anything like that, but it felt like I'd become a bit of a passenger in my own life and someone had cut the brakes you know, and in that situation, you're going to hit a wall sooner or later. I hit that wall in 2008. But at this point, it, it just felt like it was, there was an element of me going, wee, with my hands in the air while this car was careening out of control downhill. Um, but there was something sort of unpleasantly manic and sad and angry and just that yearning for escape, which is, for me, this album is an album about escape. I, you know, I know they sort of tried to tie it together with the marbles theme and the, the different marble sections. Uh, and I'll get into what H says those sections are about. They did always feel a little bit to me like it was an attempt to kind of go, oh, it's a concept album without it really being a concept album. But now going back and looking at the the lyrics and the themes in each of the songs for me, I see why it resonated because it, it so feels like a yearning for escape, which is a theme that H has been yeah, playing with for a times. long time. And I think even if I didn't directly understand all the lyrics at the time, I guess I felt the feeling that they were conveying. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like um, if you watch a show that's in a, different language that you don't speak sometimes you understand just through the, their tone of voice and yeah. the feeling that's transmitted and that also is down to the like you music. understand on an energetic emotional level yeah and the music as well because if you remember when we talked about the making of the album how megan wouldn't let rothers overthink who's oh, right. playing yes so instead rothers had to feel what h was conveying right so consequently this is an unusually emotional album i think mm. in that music and words are perfectly in sync synchronized to convey the feeling yeah uh and i don't know whether they've ever done it as well before or since as they do on this album in terms of kind of just the emotion bleeding out of the songs. Yeah, because, like, something that H said recently, I think it might have been on his Patreon um, podcast Q&A. Oh, yeah, talking of which, everyone. Week. Uh, I wasn't in last week's episode. I'm in this week's episode. Oh, I, okay. I have, as 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 recording this, we have, uh, I have asked my question. We can talk about it a little bit at the end. Okay. Um, yeah, I think something he mentioned was when the recording of the latest album, An Hour Before It's Dark, how he would listen to the music and then he would adapt his words to the music. Yeah. When it sounds like Marbles was the opposite way around, like the does, music was it? being played That's to true. his emotions and his lyric. I thought that was really telling because what he said was, if I remember, that that it's his job to try and make sense of the emotions in the, in music, the music and make them yeah. mean something yeah, uh, and find the right lyrics. That, whereas here it feels like Megan was like, no, the band are there to serve the words. Wor yeah. Well, yeah, that's fascinating. But by God, I mean, yeah, I'd love to know how much of the process of Marbles was the music adapting to the emotion and the meaning in, in H's lyrics. Mm. 
and how much like how much of it was the other way around yeah hmm yeah maybe one day we'll find out there's another q a <laughs> <laughs> yes maybe we will so so h said um and i've got to shout out to fraser marshall who i mean some of the stuff i talk about now i can't i can't i've mixed all my notes and quotes together so i don't know which is i've taken from explanations of song elements but thank you to fraser for any i've stolen from him but yeah h said in an interview uh describing the album he says it's about losing your marbles it's about starting to lose the plot in later life and it's based on a story about marbles physically lost as in the toy mm-hmm. ball marbles mm-hmm. which you probably know this story by now the whole the whole marbles thing no this is one of the problems with this album. It's very well documented. <laughs> you know, Marilla, oh, a lot I haven't of read it, fans. so this is, it's all going to be new to me. Where H, when he was a kid, him and his mate had a bag of marbles and uh, they were hitting them with a tennis racket up into the sky and the, the, they were smashing greenhouses and car windows <laughs> and things uh, where they lived <laughs> as the marbles were coming back down. Oh, and, wow. Uh, all the people on their estate complained to his dad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, understandably. And his dad confiscated the marbles. <laughs> so, oh, no. Uh, there's actually... Oh, interesting. It, it, so the marbles weren't lost. They were taken away by outside circumstances. Things that happened in the world took yeah. his marbles away. Well, let, well, funny enough, well, when we get to the first marble section, I'll talk a bit more about it because right. I hadn't realised until I discovered this this interview quote from H actually how deep that goes because I always kind of went oh with those marble sections again I thought oh we've been just trying to tie it together conceptually and it's like oh yeah I've lost my marbles Uh, and I knew the story about the marbles being taken and stuff but actually there's there's a deeper layer to it Mm. which I didn't know about uh, which we can talk about so should we just get get on with it yeah I mean I want to give my overview Um, I felt a little bit wary of finally getting into marbles because I was scared that this might happen and this being it just being so overwhelming like there's so much to it 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 feels like it affected me this in a similar way to misplaced childhood and brave and it was like oh man number one because it makes it overwhelming to try and talk about to try and put into words because there are so many layers and there's so much going on the way you experience it is so beyond the scope of words uh not being a wordsmith or a warrior poet (laughs) i find it a little bit challenging to to talk about this so i'll probably be reading a lot from my notes rather than talking or rather than like what's what's the word People get it. Talking. Yeah, and talking I will be talking clunkily. Clunkily. Yeah. Are you are you reading this bit? Yeah. You actually wrote the. Did you write? I'll be talking clunkily down. Did you no, actually write wrote, that down? I wrote. <laughs> I wrote. How am I meant to talk about uh, it? Clunkily, probably. But that's why it's good for us to have our post bag episodes as well, because then people can write in and say things in a better way. Um, And then number two, the second reason is I worry that this album is going to be hard to move on from. So I hope that we have a huge gap before we get to the next album. Because because we've got the Meridian Weekend in Poland to talk about. Thank goodness. Because it it is one of those ones that really stay with you. Yeah. I mean, I I still, I'm saying it now up front. It's my favorite Meridian album. Mm. Yeah. And that we're talking of any era, even now, with the new album, mm-hmm. uh, Out Before It's Dark, which for me is the best album since Marbles. Marbles, I think, still tops it for me. Mm. Because there's... I, I find that really hard. I mean, yeah, it's definitely one of my favourites. I think I think my favourites are all, like, equal first. I find, ah. I'm finding it hard to... It's hard to say, yeah. isn't it? But for me... Because they're so different from each other. For me, it's, e- it's easy because An Hour Before It's Dark's got, what, five tracks on it? Yes. Uh, yeah, they're exceptional. They're tracks. all exceptional. Don't get me wrong. They're exceptional. And I think for me, it's a more consistent album because it's more concise than mm. Marbles, mm-hmm. ironically. But Marbles was was the start of Marillion's modern era and that sound that, that they have now perfected. So at the time when that arrived, I just went, whoa. That's never left me. Right. Yeah. The impact of, of how that. 
how different it was and how special it and was. And there's so much on time. it. It's such a journey. It's still special now. Yeah, for yeah, sure. And I get the argument, which Mark Kelly particularly puts forward quite a lot, that that albums don't need to be more than 40 minutes or 45 <laughs> minutes. I get that. But Marbles works because it's a double. Mm. You know, the journey you go on, by the end of it, you feel like you've watched a movie. You know, it's an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes, something like that. Yeah. And... It's so, you know, so brilliant. All right, there's a couple of bits that I'm not quite as keen on, but they still work for me in the overall context of the album. So, yeah, I don't know. It's still, I think, just because of, of when it arrived, what it mean to, means to me and meant to me at yeah, the time. Yeah, I guess how you collect, connected to it on an emotional level at the time and, as and, well, yeah. that the impact of having something mirroring your internal state. Yes. It yeah. was like... Well, actually, I'm just speaking for you now. Thanks. I'm speaking. No, but you're true. You, I'm speaking you, yeah, for you right. because I'm thinking about like how care impacted me. Yes. Especially at the moment, mm. due to having like a recent bereavement. Yeah, um, and and so yeah, uh, that's what I'm. That's why I'm speaking as if I'm speaking for you. And for me, Sierra Leone was the song on an hour before it started that really impacted me. I mean, as it turns out, when we listen. It was part of the Q and A on H's uh, podcast, and he was asked uh, whether that the Sierra Leone was about you know finding Lynetta, his wife, and stuff. He was he was like, oh yeah, maybe kind of, and then he just went on about how it's about consumerism. I'm like, oh. <laughs> And then you were like, I'm keeping, I'm keeping oh, my interpretation. Yeah. So I am still hanging on to it. My romantic interpretation. Yeah, for me, it's still a love song and finding the love of your life. For me, you know, in a diamond in yeah, rubbish same. town. That's how I'm going to interpret it as well. But that's great, isn't it? You know, that's why what we're doing could risk ruining songs for people, trying to explain them. And, and it's, it's really weird is... H does say that about several of the songs on this album. When I get into the, the individual songs, he... Mm-hmm. he he holds back on explaining them because he says he feels that would weaken them. I've noticed he does that quite a bit. Mm. He doesn't tend to over-explain the meanings of songs. I'm wondering if that's the reason. What was Sierra Leone? No, just in I've heard him do mm. it a few times. Pe- people have asked about the meaning and he's kind of been a bit mysterious. Well, look at look at The Crow and the Nightingale. It's literally says in that it doesn't, you know, thank you for your words are long. It doesn't ma- matter if I understood them. Yes. I mean, that's literally that, saying that. And possibly, you know, a lot of times people say reading a book is more powerful than watching a movie because your imagination fills in the gaps and paints the picture for you and therefore makes the story more personal to you. Maybe being able to interpret a song's meaning yourself makes it more personal to you. Yes, but we do two things on this podcast, don't we? We try to sort of talk about what it means to us and how it made us feel. And also what we think it means to H or what H meant when he wrote them. Yes. So The Invisible Man. Here's a song that we, we won't get into what it's about yet or what we think it's about, where H does hesitate to sort of explain exactly what it's about because some of it are very personal experiences. Mm-hmm. But... It gets to the heart of what I was talking about, whereas this is a song that you feel. And oh, yeah. every time, you know, I listen to it or hear it live and it had that impact when I first heard it, it's just like, my God, this, it's, I'm saying this now, it's probably my favourite Meridian song Aww. on my favourite Meridian album. Uh, the Invisible Man is just, it's a masterpiece. It's an absolute yeah. masterpiece of music and it's, Everything Marillion does well in one song. Yes, exactly. It's a masterpiece. Absolutely agree with you. It's yeah. yeah. Sorry, off you go. But I okay, have to just so say this is, I, what, this is yeah. That's exactly what I wrote. I wrote. Um, it's instantly an epic. It jump starts straight away with a layered and intense and dense atmosphere. Um, the, with the clapping and the drumming and the bass oh, all creating a but certain just that, tribal. Oh my god, that opening, the clapping. Yeah, so I know, different. I know. Yeah, it, it's it's very so you've got the the rhythm of the clapping, the drumming, and the bass, and they're creating a kind of tribal energy and sounding like a heartbeat. 
and then the drone of the keyboard comes in and and also adds to that primal feel so it's like you're in some sort of belly or womb mm. with the pressure of the music slowly building until finally it breaks at around two minutes 28 um Rother's guitar and H's slow vocals complement the mood perfectly. And there are some really iconic guitar pieces that I really love in it. Can I just, while you're just saying that, yeah. sorry, while you're just reading that, <laughs> can, can, I just, oh, well. can I just say that even though Rother's, at least during the process of making this album, wasn't happy with it, yeah. he's brilliant on this album i know he's amazing and i've I've written um there's a bit like the way i've written this i i when i was reading over my notes i went and listened to the bit again and i'm like because i've written the the do 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 bit just before h sings i have become the invisible man it's approximately four minutes ten oh my oh i can't i can't do the sound yeah i know i know what what, which sound i mean yeah, do you know what? Let's be cheeky and see if we can drop it in. There we go. Oh, okay. I'm going to put it in for the first time ever. There you are, everyone. I'm going to do it. It's going to be a tiny little bit. Lucy, Marillion, do not sue me. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. And then there's like a theremin-like sound mm. around the same Ooh, time. It's just oh, like, yeah. oh my God, the layers are just... But for me as well, doing that bit, the bit that kicks in around the three-minute mark, that section, yeah. with the Floydy keyboard sounds. But, so it's this kind of classic 70s Floyd sound, but then with the strummed guitar, you know, the the, the but there's so much going on that's sort of modern. And yeah. to me, this song hasn't dated at all. No. Like no way, this song could have been written yesterday, and it, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell. It's the song that I what? used. No, to... I meant, yeah, I would believe even if it was written yes yesterday. What it, you said, right? Well, thanks. Uh, it hasn't dated. That's all you needed to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the song that you know. I know when I first did you a mix CD, I did put. Um, what did I put on there? Fred of Sunlight. Yes. Uh, Beyond you. Yeah. Was it just those two? Just just those two. Okay. Uh, I know I put those on because they were like, don't scare the horses. Uh, right. But had I known you like Muse, I would have put this on. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Oh, I would have <laughs> loved uh, it. Because it, it's it's prog, but modern. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's exactly what well, prog I should would, be. Rather than saying modern, I would say timeless. Timeless. Yes. Yes. That's the that's perfect. Yeah. It's timeless. As for me, this album is as a whole, yes. partly down to Dave Meagher's production, yeah, which sure. is, my God, my God. I don't listen to it and go, oh, that belongs in the 90s. Like, yeah. no, it's timeless. Yeah. Just like you can wear it a didn't classic come, didn't come blazer. Out, didn't come out in the 90s, but okay. Oh. 2004. Just like, <laughs> so bad with dates, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I see. <laughs> point, my point yeah, exactly. Yeah, point take. It doesn't sound like it came out it, in the 90s And it doesn't sound all. like it came in the 2000, early 2000s. It just sounds timeless. What is interesting as well with Invisible Man is it, I can see how this has kind of emerged from anarachnophobia you know, Dave mm. Meagan says they couldn't have made marbles without anarachnophobia first. And you can kind of hear the quartz influence in this mm. uh, with, with yes. the bass. But yeah. also on top of that, you can hear the kind of when I meet God influence. Yeah. And then it, yeah, but it's done so much better than yeah. either of those. And two songs that I like, quartz and when I meet yeah, God. Love them but both. it's just like another level. Yeah. It's insane how good this song yeah. is. It's insane. And. Those people who sometimes criticise Meridian for that cut and paste style that mm. you know. I wish we found. I wish we found a better description for that cut and paste style. Sounds a bit well. The the, the arranged from bits of jams 
yeah the Mike Hunter arranged from the quilt bits. style cut and paste I think is fair because in Logic Pro and it's more or less what you do right okay. Fine. <laughs> it literally describes it but mm. the arrange you know that jarring arrangement I don't know how else to describe it yeah, it's uh, not always jarring though no it isn't to me and I think it works really nicely on an hour before it's dark but I tell you where it works really nicely is on the invisible man yes it does because yes. they've actually they have softened some of those transitions there's a few where it just goes boom and drops out yeah. but then in other places they soften it by kind of having sort of like a, a rhythm or a, a guitar line that builds underneath the end of Gradually, one section yeah. and then leads you into the next when it kicks in and mm. like a bridge like yeah connects the two sections for a song that is progressive in all capital letters, you know, with all those different sections, it's beautifully arranged. It is. It's one yeah. that, there you go, I'm going to say Masterfully arranged. It's one of the greatest progressive rock songs ever written. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I've written, everything comes together so seamlessly. Everyone is working so synergistically that it creates a masterpiece. And when I say everyone is working synergistically, that includes Dave Megan. Yeah. He's, he's so integral to the process here, sort of weaving all the elements together. Oh, the guitar and the bi- the bass together at around six minutes 30 gave me chills, like literally chills. Seven minutes thirty. Uh, the choir hits oh, underneath. The, oh, oh my god! Do you know what it's I was like? What on earth? Like how many? How many masterful layers can you get? In I was one listening song? to that this morning, uh, and I thought, ah, oh, because it's a synthetic choir. It's not. Is it? Keyboard. I was choir. trying to figure that out, and I was just thinking, get choir noir in there now that we've had yes, now before it starts. Imagine. Oh man, go on, please go on tour with choir noir. Yeah, because I was listening to it, and I'm like, <laughs> is that a real choir? Like I no, couldn't tell. No, it's, I. But could, I could you could tell. tell. Okay, you've got you've got a better ear for that detail. Um, yeah, can you imagine choir noir? Yeah. That's hard to say that ten times fast. Qu- choir noir. Choir noir. Choir noir. Quinoa. Quinoa. The healthiest choir around. Choir noir. It's quinoa. It's not a grain. It's a seed. <laughs> Remember okay, when quinoa. we helped that friend of ours move house? Oh, and, and she bought a big pot of quinoa. She, well, no, the friend didn't. Her friend. Oh, her friend. Her yeah. friend bought this pot of quinoa that was horrible. And she was like, the one thing people would never think about when they're moving house is that they're all going to get hungry and they're going to need food. I've made this huge saucepan full of quinoa for everyone. Unflavoured quinoa. Yeah. So dole- doling out <laughs> quinoa <laughs> was, was like, like you know, okay, I just thanks. wanted to go to McDonald's. And this woman. Yeah, pe- people just want a treat after a hard day this of woman was hold- moving house. Holding people down, tackling them to the ground and forcing quinoa into Ladle their mouth. of quinoa. Eat my quinoa. It's a grain, not a seed. Quinoa is good no, for you. No, it's a seed, not a grain. What am I saying? It doesn't really matter. No, one, no, one, no one listening to this is going to care. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Just move Let's on. continue. Um, okay, oh. other favourite bits. 12 minutes in when he sings, my head, head is haunted. Oh. Wow. Um, uh, just phenomenal. The build and release in that section are so exquisite. Exquisite, we're back there. Um, And yeah, it's the complexity and the layered details in the sound really reminds me of the best bits in Brave, but even better because somehow the music's even more accessible than Brave. Yeah, do you know why I was trying to think about this? Because because Brave has the production is so claustrophobic, intentionally. Uh, there's a darkness to every song on Brave, whereas right. this, it feels expansive. Expansive. Oh, interesting. I, uh, yeah, that's why. And I was thinking it, it it's lovely to listen to this album with it headphones. Yeah. It's a really nice you album. You don't on the need ears. 20 listens. Like Brave took a lot to try and to, to try and take it in. Mm. When you do and it clicks, 
you got you're kind of floating away with it but marbles or invisible man were kind of instantly accessible yeah yeah well yeah i mean when i first heard marbles i didn't well certainly when i first heard the invisible man i don't totally remember but that wasn't the song that jumped out at me as this is my favorite my oh, favorite right. on the first listen was fantastic place i'll say it Aww. now uh but the invisible man i kind of knew oh i think this i think this is good in that classic an hour before it's dark marillion right. got a, i know i know i don't hate this but yeah. i know i'll probably like it if i just give it another yes. five listens uh yeah. you know it's again it's what the best of marillion does and i knew that listening to marbles i know i, I know from the first time i ever heard a marillion album yeah, misplaced childhood. Mm. I knew from experience. Do not write it off initially. Yeah. Uh, Golden and, rule. And also, Marillion don't albums. kind of get overwhelmed and go. I love this immediately with Marillion because because you know they're they're complex albums. Let and sometimes it, we let, let its it flavors develop. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So I wrote. There's something. There's something really ethereal and yet densely intense about it. About like the whole sound the whole of song the song is just it's it's so intense and live. I mean, my God, now when you hear it live, yeah, it's it, very it, powerful for me. It's a, a a kind of almost like a primal scream of a song. It is, yes, it is. It's so Definitely. raw. He, the emotion is so That's raw. So true. H seems so raw, and again, as I say, the music is so complementing that mm. because at points, and you know, with the. Ian's sort of almost jazzy, scattery drums in in places. Yes, they, they it it feels borderline unhinged at times, and like the song is always at the at risk of about to fall apart. Yeah, it that's that's how it always sounds to me. It's like any second this song could just collapse in on itself and it's just like it's become walking a tight, yeah become tight a noise wire, or become rope. chaos or become you know something that isn't so nice to hear, but or nice to listen to and yet it somehow holds together and again talking about how i was feeling at the time that was it this is going to sound really wanky but i described it at the time to someone as i felt like i'd been a china doll that had been dropped and broken and someone had glued me back together in the rough approximation of what a doll looks like and you you only saw the cracks up close and you know but it might i'd been weakened by Mm. being dropped but Mm. to look at me from a distance you'd kind of go oh uh you know that looks all right right that looks yeah yeah, that looks intact but actually when you you know you get closer you realize no this is this is broken and that's how the song feels to me as well emotionally emotionally Yeah. yeah yeah and the emotion of it all is is a song that is could fall apart any moment yeah for sure then the last couple of lines I've got written here, the drums, especially around the eight-minute mark, are phenomenal as well. They convey so much energy, especially when Ian hits the cymbals. There are so many changes of pace in the song that it becomes almost like a book with many different chapters. Um, and I'm saying this like without having even, at this point, I hadn't even read the lyrics yet I still felt like I'd been taken on the wildest motorcycle ride Mm. the the pain and emotion when H sings but I am the invisible man is so strong that it almost becomes like a physical pain Mm. it is isn't it yeah it feels so real and so So real yeah so raw amazing song what a song what a song definitely an epic well, shall we talk about its meaning? Yes, let's let shall I'm just gonna read this chunk of text that I've written before you say anything because then you can <laughs> you can enlighten me. Because if you say the meaning first, I'm gonna cringe at what I thought was the meaning. No, no, is it okay? It, do you think it's about a man who owns a, a funfair? No, this time I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he, he owned um an aquarium. Yeah. No, okay, so This is what I've written. Um, The Invisible Man is a challenge because it feels like it can have several different interpretations. 
I love how it begins by straight away linking the song to the album titles. So marbles being another meaning for sanity as well as being the children's game. But it starts off by pointing outward. The world's gone mad. He's still sane. He's just lost touch with the insane world. And then when he asks, how did this happen? I didn't feel myself evaporating. And evaporating is such a clever way to describe it because it's a slow disconnection with reality. So it's a fade, it's a fade out rather than a clean cut. He describes how he's slowly disappeared while he was distracted, um, which made me wonder, was distracted by what? Um, so I was wondering if one of the song's meanings was the dis- was the depiction of losing oneself to something like addiction and how it dis- disconnects you from life and your loved ones and the world and leaves you feeling unseen and unimportant and powerless. Um, I find the connection to the idea of being a hollow man really intriguing as well because he says... Uh, my body has gone, but my eyes remain, hovering, witnessing. And even though that's the reverse of the description of Hollow Man, where he, his body was there, but he wasn't there, um, it, it really paints a picture of someone who seems to be to not be physically present anymore. They are like the shell of who they used to be. They're like a ghost. They're not able to participate. They're only able to observe. So the word hovering is particularly powerful because it shows that you have no presence, you have no stance, you're not standing, you've got no direction, you've got no grounding, you don't you've got move. No you, fans, you, you got just, no fans, <laughs> you got no... You just hover. You want some, I'll give it to you. Yeah, you just hover. Uh, by the way, everyone, I wasn't saying Marillion don't have any fans, that's a reference to... Oh, to the Wildstone Raider, if you look him up on YouTube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've written so much. Is this too much? It might be. I don't know. Is this going to go on for another two hours? No. I don't know whether this is... Because we're not having interaction. No. I'm finding it hard to just read it. Well, just skip. Skim. I know you don't skim very well. No, I don't skim very well. Um, yeah, I also found the description of feeling homeless. So when he says he was sheltering in doorways while traveling traveling around Europe... Venice, Vienna, Budapest, Krakow and Amsterdam, to be exact. Mm. Um, I thought that was curious too, and it makes me wonder if part of this song does have an autobiographical leaning to it. Like if one of its meanings is linked to the hollow man. That's interesting that you say, because I've never made that connection before. Even the title is similar. Yeah. Uh, I weirdly, this is you're going to say this is weird, I see some similarities with Beyond You in terms of themes and lyrics. Oh, oh okay. Oh, interesting. But okay, I'm, I'm going to talk about my interpretation yeah, as well about, before I talk about what yeah. H has said about it. Okay. So I'll, I'll just keep reading and then we can like properly talk about it's fine, it fine, we afterwards. could just do, do one episode on The Invisible Man. <laughs> oh, God, I know. This is the one it's I've enough, written the most yeah. of. But it's on. A, yeah. The other songs I haven't written as much on. I'm, I'm good with an episode on The Invisible Man. Yeah, maybe it needs an episode. So then I wrote, um, I shout my name in public places. No one seems to notice. No one understands. No one can see him for who he is. He tries to assert himself to call attention to himself, to cry for help, but he's overlooked. I stand perfectly still in the middle of the road. I hold my nerve. I hold my nerve, hold my nerve, but the cars don't swerve. So how I interpreted this once again is like an, the analogy of putting oneself in dangerous situations, kind of wordlessly crying for help. So it could be referencing either self-harm or addiction, something like that, potentially life threatening situations. But as happens so often in real life, our cries for help go unseen like the cars won't swerve for us. No one is there. No one is there to look out for him. It feels in this song. No one is there to look out for him and no one is there to protect him, even though he seems to be asking for help. 
um, it's like there's a real sense of powerlessness that comes through the lyrics, feeling powerless to help himself and also powerless to help others. Oh, I, I, I want to say as well, even if this song is literally just about someone, a fictitious story about a man who became invisible or accidentally died, died while he was distracted, what? like he's crossing the road, distracted, got killed and became a ghost. What? Then he fell in love what? with someone, <laughs> someone while I, they were lighting a candle at the just, church. But, even but, may just I just echo the audience still... for a minute there and go, WTF? <laughs> From. I just want to say, like, <laughs> even if the song is literally just about a ghost, okay. yeah, I still love. I would still love it because Ho- it's a great story. Hogarth, the friendly ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it might not be about him. It might be about someone he's imagined. Anyway, going back to my original uh, interpretation and trying to find a deeper meaning. When he sings, I will hear your prayers as you whisper alone. And that whole section where he is watching uh, the person live her life and suffer. And he can't do anything other than bear witness to her suffering. I thought it was a real, really beautiful description of the empathy that we can experience for others' pains, pain and challenges when we've been through similar situations ourselves. Right. So it seems like it illustrates really well that sometimes the only people who notice your signs, your cries for help are people who've been through something similar themselves. So let's say like someone who's had an eating disorder might notice the subtle signs in someone else who's had an eating disorder or someone who's been through depression might notice the subtle signs of depression or, or addiction or any of those personal challenges that we can go through. Sometimes it's only it's only that experience that helps us pick up on it in others and have empathy for the pain they're going through. I see your eyes glazing over. I'm so sorry. I'm nearly at the end. They're not glazed over. I'm, <laughs> no, I've got the wrong glasses on. Oh, okay. And, and so my eyes are going from looking at my screen yeah. and trying to read, and they're not my reading glasses, to looking at you, my eyes hurt. Oh, take them off. <laughs> but then I can't see you at all. Oh, okay. I can see you. These are the glasses that I need for distance, so I can see you with these ones on. Oh, right. But I can't, when I turn back to the screen, Yeah. they're the wrong glasses. So oh, okay. this is the problem. All right. So I'll continue. Um, here, the invisible man notices the woman's pain and difficulties because he can recognize the pain from his own experiences with it. And I might be reaching here, but I thought it was... I thought this was a really beautiful and subtle description of empathy and also how much it can hurt to see someone that you care about going through a difficult time or being mistreated. But aside from being there for them and just bearing witness for them or holding space for them, you can't really do anything to help them. So it's, so it's like, it's about feeling powerless to help because even if you try as H so poetically describes, you will stumble through me. I will will scream in your ear as you're passing by. I will wrap my arms around you. You won't hear me. You won't feel me. I will walk stride for stride with you. I will try to help when you stumble. You stumble through me. So it makes, oh God, okay, get ready to cringe. Okay, get ready to cringe. Okay, I'm Um, this It also makes me wonder, like, if this might be what it's like for our ancestors or family members who have passed away and they're watching us leave our lives and watching mm. us go through challenges and difficulties and make mistakes, yet they can't help us. Mm. They, they, like, they want to be able to help us, but it's ultimately up to us to make choices. Why is that cringe? I don't know, because it's like believing in the afterlife. But Oh, I, oh okay. Yeah. Ah, yeah. well, okay. But, you know, that it wouldn't be the first time H was a bit woo-woo, would it? No, it wouldn't. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm agreeing with him if that's part of the meaning. So, yeah, I would just like to end it by saying My Head is Haunted is possibly one of my all-time favourite lines in a Marillion song because the rawness of it is so overwhelming and the way he sings it is just so spot on that it, the whole song becomes a masterpiece of both poetry and music. Mm. 
And it is. I feel like I've really rushed through reading that because I feel self-conscious that it was just a block of text. It was probably better read than read out. No, you, you did but fine. Don't, I'm ready to talk about it don't now. Don't be self-conscious. Uh, I'm really distracted by how broken your glasses are. Sorry, they were wonky on your face the whole time you were talking. What have you done to them? Don't know. It's like basically they're at a 45 degree angle on, across your eyes. I don't know. Look, as long as they do the job, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. But I, I just go, wanted to let you know. I need to go for an eye test. So I'm just, uh, yeah. I just want to let everyone know that what was going on for me while you were reading that heartfelt <laughs> block of text. I was going, what's going on with her glasses? <laughs> I, I feel it. like I rushed through it. I probably should no, have read didn't. it more slowly. But... No. Yeah, I totally see where you're coming from with the addiction angle. Plus, like, not necessarily addiction, but anything that, any kind of, self-destructive cycle that we get trapped in Mm. and that doesn't have to just be addiction it could be it could even be anxiety and depression when you get locked into this self-destructive cycle and don't know how to break free of it Mm. well i i mean i just I, i see the powerlessness in the song it's a song of impotent rage for me Mm. Uh, you know that primal scream thing i talked about it's a song about being powerless to intervene or like you're trapped behind glass and it's soundproof and you're hammering against the glass it sort of brings out those sort of images yeah for me of um i when i talked about beyond you that feels like a song with a similar energy even though musically it's very different yeah i understand what you mean someone who isn't allowed to exist anymore yeah the the words in beyond you where he's you know if i was a baby you know i'll sit down on the street kick my legs and scream Mm. uh here again it it feels like someone who is not literally invisible but somebody who for all intents and purposes, doesn't exist. Yeah. And I, just dealing with some of the, the other themes that have kind of come up in songs that H has, has written leading up to this, is there someone that he wishes he could be with that he can't in the song? Whether it's a character in the song, whether it's him, I don't know. Yeah, when there are lines like, uh, I will scream in your ear as you're passing by, I will wrap my arms around you, but you won't hear, you won't feel me. That feels like an unrequited love. A longing for someone. A longing. That feels like longing, but also a frustration at not being able to be with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, I will walk stride for stride with you. I will try to help. When you stumble, you will stumble through me. He's singing about someone else who... You can only witness them or think about them. Yeah, who are trying to get on with their life. You know, they're no longer with you, but you still think about them. You still are there with them mentally. Mm. And yet they're just trying to get on, uh, you know, for whatever reason, the relationship has ended and they they want to just move forwards. Mm. And you're there going, but I'm still here. I still love you. I still think about you. I still, you know, but I cannot because we've agreed or you've told me that I'm no longer a part of your life. And I wonder if that kind of connects to, so because his spirit is so consumed with being with this person emotionally and mentally that physically he ceased to exist. Like in his physical life has become secondary or unimportant or just not thought about because his spirit is with this person watching them. Not not literally, watching, not literally yeah. watching them, but his thoughts are always with them. Yeah, his emotions are with them. And then I think the other thing that, that and some of this does tie into what he has alluded to in his, his explanation of the song. Mm. There is also there clearly, you know, when he sort of says about the world's gone mad, yeah, and I've lost touch, blah blah blah. It, that feels like more kind of about the world as a whole. Yeah, about. Christ, you know, look at this. Look, look at where the world is at the moment with Ukraine. Yeah, and I feel powerless. It, you know, with you see what's going on there. You know, with theatres being bombed, with kids inside, mm. and yet you're yeah, and that's against... a similar situation. We can watch what's happening. We can we barely intervene pain. because he's, we, he's yeah. a nuclear power. We, we can't do, do anything. Yeah, we're like helplessly watching them go through their suffering. We can 
send help. We can, you, you can't even directly help. You can, you can send help by sending money to the Red Cross or our countries can send military assistance to somehow trickle through to their country, but we can't fight alongside them. Mm. And, and that hurts. Yeah. That sense of powerlessness hurts. You see Putin acting the way he's acting and we can't step in and stop him. Mm. And so it feels like it's a song. Yeah, uh, there's a di- there's different levels to it, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, it's a song about just feeling powerless and like you don't, you're unable to influence the world around you, mm. whether that's on a personal level, on a global level, and what that's doing to him internally mm. and emotionally. Talk to me, acknowledge me, confide in me, confess to me, or leave me be. It's like he doesn't want to feel like this. Mm. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah. You know, get out of my head. So, I mean, lyrically, just just, it's just amazing. Oh, my God. It's so intense. It is. Well, let's. This is an interview that he did after the album came out where he said, he wrote the lyrics in Amsterdam apparently because where he was fe- feeling he was losing touch with culture. That was the starting point mm. uh, where he said, it's interesting, isn't it? Because again, on that, that Corona Diaries Q&A where we talked about Sierra Leone, that started with a trip to the Tower of London where we saw the Crown Jewels. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so the, the starting point was him feeling that he was middle-aged and didn't get young people. That was the starting point of the the process that led to the right. song. Okay. Um, that he didn't, in his words, I don't really get the rap hip hop thing, which is interesting because he did do a rap on Quartz that was um, very street. Uh, anyway, and he said, <laughs> so he was literally holding her nose, trying not to laugh for some reason. Very street. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's he is nothing if not really urban, H, isn't he? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Uh, he says yeah maybe it's because i'm a musician i expect tunes ouch meow anyway he said i did start to feel removed and nothing made sense um he says it's about ceasing to exist and yet continuing to be away and being impotent to do anything about it Mm. so um he says we haven't had time to evolve beyond cavemen and we're not wired up to cope with the modern world more aware of the injustice in the world because of modern media and technology. So mm-hmm. That's so relevant, relevant to where we are at the moment. We witness things we shouldn't be able to witness. Yeah. It, it's good the world is having to become collectively more responsible, but it's a strain on us because there are so many things we can't help with. And it's also specifically about witnessing one other person's life and being powerless to help. Mm. Some are metaphors and some are specific personal incidents that nobody will understand, such as close behind you at St. Stephen. Um, he also says in uh, another interview, Invisible Man takes a bit of explaining and I don't really want to explain it. Well, all right, just very generally, it's about witnessing without being there, about being conscious of other people's lives, sometimes intimately conscious. So, you know, um, and without being able to do anything about it and about how difficult that is. Invisible man is a ghost. He is somebody who is watching and knowing and must bear the weight and pain of that and the pain of being able, unable to help. When you stumble, you'll stumble through me is the most important line of the song. And this one line really sums it up. The attempt to catch someone as they fall mm, and yeah. then falling through you because that you're not actually there. And to some extent, we've all become invisible men. Yeah. And then he talks again about the caveman Yeah, it's thing. like you're there watching and you're seeing them crumble mm. there's nothing you can do no apart from watch and send like your care energetically it's so very voyeuristic about the way the world has become and the situation you know because we with ukraine you and i you know we've been watching youtubers that are either in ukraine or were in ukraine getting out and russia and short of i don't know sending money to charity or what can we do it's so much bigger than us on an individual level watching the news watching youtube watching you know reading the papers reading websites you know it it's but i yeah sorry no no go on go on but i i understand what you're saying 
and this is a bit woo-woo, but I do think when we observe a situation and we are holding space for it and we are sending our, like, I know thoughts and prayers, I know that sounds cringy, but when we are sending those loving energy and intention and hope that the situation improved for them, as well as it's important to help physically and take action, sometimes we can't. Sometimes all we can do is send our love. I really feel that makes a difference. You know, I've been in, I've been in at times in my life in situations where I felt really alone, going through really tough stuff and knowing that there was someone out there who said, oh, I'm praying for you or whatever. Mm. And I'm not religious, but just them saying that mm. made me feel less alone. Oh, And yeah. kind of gave yeah. me an energetic strength to keep going. So I yeah. think, yeah, if it is, it is frustrating for us to be able to watch being able to send energetically our well wishes and our desire for an improvement and for healing, mm. I, I I believe that makes a difference. There's another way of looking at it, and yeah. that is the world, which is what the world's doing. People like us, you know, even beyond, but we change, you know, our our logo to the the Ukrainian colours, and that is showing that we're with them in spirit. Yes, if they can see it, but you know, there's always the opportunity that someone might, I don't know, but um, I mean, even on a kind of really um, on a war level, knowing that they've got the support of the world behind them. Yeah, that does make a difference. It's the same thing, effectively, as saying I'm praying for you. You know, these people know that, all right, okay. I'm sending my support. I, I can't help you. I can't solve the situation for you, but I am sending you like I'm feeling I want to support you I'm on your side that's what I mean yeah I'm on your side and you've got my energy behind you it does make a difference yeah I I, I agree when he says when you stumble you stumble through me the person stumbling is alone and still stumbling he's frustrated because he can't catch them but that person isn't alone okay. on an energetic level yeah Yes, I know what you're saying, uh, but that for me isn't what the song is saying. No, I don't think that's what the song is saying. The song is the song is from H's perspective, or the Invisible Man's perspective. He does not feel like he's making a difference. In fact, the opposite. You know, he, I understand. He's, that. He is literally non-existent. I no, I I fully understand that. But then I'm speaking from the third observer perspective, right? Looking at them, saying. Yes, you couldn't catch her when she stumbled. Yes, she felt alone. But from an observer perspective, you were there for each other. Mm. Even though no one is going to feel that way. So for me, it's a song that is definitely about that impotence of, you know, with the the line about, you know, climb the winding stairs up to your apartment, the scent of you preparing his evening meal. I must watch him dread when he's cruel to you. That section, mm-hmm. that might be something specific and personal, or it might be something just general about domestic abuse. I don't know. It feels, though, that it's a very personal song, even if when it's talking globally. Mm-hmm. I feel his emotion in from this. Mm-hmm. And that, again because it's so raw, because it's so real, because the music is so in sync with what he's feeling as he's singing Mm. and what he's poured into those words. That is why I think it is arguably Meridian's best song. Yeah, absolutely. Because it does the personal, it does the global. Mm -hmm. It's got moments where it's really beautiful, moments where it's really catchy, moments where it's really kind of raw and rocky. And moments where it's atmospheric and it's just, it just does everything right. It's amazing. Yeah, it does. Definitely. Poetic, brilliant lyrics on top of that. Oh, so that's all we're going to have time for this week. A whole <laughs> episode dedicated one to... One song. I don't think we've ever done that we before. We have. Grendel. <laughs> I think we oh, did yeah. Grendel. We've not done it since Grendel. Or wow. did we do it for Market Square Heroes? I don't know. I don't know. But, um, I mean, it's such a complex masterpiece that 
It's it's the song I wrote the most about. Yeah, I think I I, so I won't like, talk as much with the other ones because as well, what this song has is a themes that also resonate throughout the rest of the album yes. in places. So yeah. you know, we won't be repeating ourselves when we, you know, we won't wanna just repeat ourselves. We'll be cherry picking our comments here on out. But I do think it's uh, it's a really important song for Meridian as well because it it absolutely it was really brave to start the album with it because it's not accessible in the way that something like fantastic place might be you know it's not a pop song you're asking people to invest in 15 minutes of music that is brave but my god it's confident going we know this is good Mm. uh but also you can see its influence in things like new kings you can see its influence in uh gaza in care it's it's a really important song for meridian going forwards yeah and no wonder they you know and i'll tell you (laughs) they've played it live a lot i'm still not bored of hearing it live and i get bored of hearing songs live as we know (laughs) this one i haven't you can just yeah absolutely yeah it's something special yeah oh right that's all for this week wow well, one song. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do the same next week for Marbles 2. <laughs> uh. <laughs> An hour on Marbles 2. Marbles 2 or Marbles 1? Well, Marbles 1's the next one. Marbles 2, though, is the is the best of the, the four Marbles one. bits. Oh. No, that was the one that they used to play when they played it live. Uh, they'd extend it. So, oh, right. yeah, we'd be rother's guitar solo yeah um, uh i i don't know how i mean i hope what i said made sense i did don't make think it sense did. i found that i found it hard to talk about but hopefully the rest of the songs will be a bit a bit easier mm. yeah drilling holes a bit piece of cake <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm not even kidding it will be so will angelina yeah, not all the songs on the album, I think, have the, those yeah, levels this of many depth. layers. They also find the opportunity to just, you know, have fun. Okay. On disc two. Okay, everyone. Uh, so I think if we can keep going with this schedule, I reckon we'll have marbles done by the time we go to Poland. Wow. Miracle. Miracle. I have to do the maths, but yeah, that's what I'd like. And then hopefully we'll have a few weeks break for me to get over marbles. We will have break because we'll be going to Bonapoland where we're going to be recording some stuff there is the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, true. Yeah. You said that in a way that you didn't think we were going to. We we can't not go to Poland and not record. Oh, no, I'm hoping to. Yeah. It's just whether we have the discipline to do it. We will. We will because not and not see our friends and go, yay, we just want to hang out with our friends. Well we'll be recording them as well. I hope so. Also I plan to stay in bed till four o'clock every day. Um, <laughs> You've just taken inspiration from Anthony because he said that he did that last time. Right. And you're like, Yeah, I want to do that too. Well, yeah, because one of the things with when we go to Holland and we stay in the chalets, mm. uh we we always I don't know, you feel a certain pressure to have to get up and socialise because you're all sharing a a house together it was in a hotel i don't know i don't feel that pressure as much oh. we can just well i always have an afternoon nap no matter where we are yeah so i imagine i'll be doing that yeah well we'll probably you know and also it, it's great because it feels like i can sleep off any hangovers uh <laughs> was at holland i never do because it's like you get up you have to go because you're sharing a bathroom you don't have an ensuite <laughs> It was in a hotel oh, room. We will. Treat. I know. So we have to share that bathroom that everyone that they've all used <laughs> or thrown up in, Nick. Yeah, Paul. I don't know what you mean, Sanya. Moving on. Uh, hey, listen. Go listen to this week's Corona Diaries. I am definitely in it. I am in it. I am on Corona Diaries. Uh, true to form. I'm embarrassed by how I started my question. Oh, my goodness. You can't help yourself. I cannot help myself. What was I thinking? So, you know, as you probably know by now, an hour before it started, went to number two in the charts. So, of course, you know, I think, oh, it'll be funny if I open my question with, uh, congratulations, H, on your number two. (laughs) Why did I do that? Oh, dear. It's just on brand, isn't it? It's on brand. I'm a shameful man. An awful human being. (laughs) 
really am potty humoured, immature fool. It is what it is. Right, okay. Um, subscribe, tell people about us. Uh, that, I don't, you know, all that. Go buy, go, look, if you're going to Poland, tell us, because I did a post on uh, Beampod on Facebook. Go follow mm-hmm. us on Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. I do a bit more on Facebook these days on Beampod. Go tell us if you're coming to Poland. I did a post saying, is anyone coming to Poland? We got one reply from Chai saying, I'm not coming to Poland. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> no likes, nothing. Oh, um, I didn't. I didn't see that post. Yeah. No, no, nothing. Nobody, nobody said a thing. Maybe Some of you must sure. be coming to Poland. Some of you must be. We've got to get a PCR test twenty four hours beforehand, haven't we? At the moment. Yeah, I've got to look into that. It's a pain in the ass. I think the chemist up the road does them. I, really? I was walking past, and it looked like they might. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I hope we see some of you in Poland. Go buy some uh, some of our merch and wear it proudly in 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 Wodge 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 Wodge. What you talking about? Yeah. Right. We'll talk to you next week, where we will kick off with uh, Marbles One, segueing into Genie. <laughs> Marbles One for an hour. For an hour, an hour's worth of Marbles One. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.